Amen. Do we believe He's worthy? Indeed we do. Indeed we do. We need a little better than that, though. Do we believe He's worthy? All right, we're getting there one more time. Do we believe He is worthy? Yes, we do. Thank you so much uh, for all that. The bad news, the good news. Last Sunday, we shared a message with the same title as today, the same passage of Scripture. We opened with a kind of a good news, bad news, little quip about this. And uh, we're not going to do all that today, but I'm sure you've heard the one about the pastor who said there is good news and bad news. The good news is we have all the resources we need to do everything God wants us to do. The bad news is it's still in your wallet. And so uh, he's trying to get folks to expand and, and kind of move on from there. And I know you're not like that, all right? So we thank God for all that. And uh, we looked at the bad news, good news. The really bad news that those who do not trust in Jesus as Savior are forever lost to spend eternity in hell. The wrath of God abides on them. In John 6, verse 36, uh, we, no, 336, I'm sorry. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him, dwells there forever and forever. Bad, bad news. And so we want to get away from that bad news. And then we closed out with a little short look at the good news that those who have trusted in Jesus will have eternal life with Him in heaven, that place He is preparing for all those who do trust in Him. And so today, we want to look a little further into the good news. The good news. Jesus took our sins upon Himself. He died in our place on a cruel cross. He took that separation from the presence of God for us. When Jesus was on the cross, He said, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Why have You forsaken me. He took our God-forsakenness for us so that we would never have to be forsaken by God again. And then He took His life back from the dead. Nobody but God could do that. Took His life back from the dead. And He is here now to give us salvation. Any who will trust in Him will be saved. And if you have trusted Him as your personal Savior from sin, that sin that separates us from God, that sin that He died for so that our sin against God could be forgiven, taken away. If you have trusted Him as your Savior today, then, the, then you are living in the good news. And we thank God for that. What all does that mean? There are seven things this morning that I want to go through fairly quickly. And so I'll talk fast, you listen fast, and uh, we won't starve you before lunch, Okay. But uh, let's look at these seven things today that are part of the good news that we can enjoy, and that is ours through our faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Number one, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. I don't know sometimes if we really understand what that means. Our sin that's in our life has separated us from God, and all of us are sinners by nature. That's where we are, and our sin has separated us from God. And if nothing happens to, to correct that sin problem in our life, we're going to spend eternity separated from God. And when we leave this existence of life and go on into that next existence that life continues on, 
away from God, everything is total absence of God. We talked about that just a little bit last week. But to be forgiven means it's done. It's gone. There's a passage of scripture in in Colossians that I love. In Colossians chapter 1 or chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says this. When you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross." We are forgiven of all of our transgressions, all our sin against God. It's cleaned out. It's gone. It is forgiven. What an amazing thing that is. God takes it away. It's gone. And when it's gone, it's gone. When He forgives, He forgives completely. There's a passage in in Psalm 103, verse 12 that I really like. As far as the east is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. It's a metaphor. God painted, if you will, a word picture for us in that passage. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, you're familiar with a globe. You've seen pictures of of our world, earth. You know what it looks like. If you're going toward the North Pole, you're going toward the North Pole. When you reach the North Pole, if you continue, you're not going north anymore, are you? You're going south. And when you cross that South Pole, you're going north again, north and south. But if you're going east and west, as long as you're going east, you're always going east. You never get to the west. I know that for a fact, or I think I do. When our ship left Norfolk, we went down to Rio de Janeiro. Then we went around uh, the Cape of Good Hope, around South Africa, went on through the Indian Ocean and over to Vietnam. And then we came back across the Pacific and around Cape Horn down in South America. And we never, never were going west. We were always going east. I think what God is trying to say to us is this. Folks, take heart in the fact that in the good news, you are forgiven of sin. And when I take it away, you'll never see it again. That's good news. We're forgiven. And we need to thank God for that and love that and appreciate that and enjoy that. But there's another thing. Not only are we forgiven, we're a new creation. We talked about this just a little bit uh, once before. And we find it there in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians. And when he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Catesis, God has made you brand new, something that never was before. You are now. You never were a forgiven child of God. Now you are a forgiven child of God. You are a new creature. There is something created within you that is new and different, and you're never the same again. The presence of the Lord in your life makes you different, makes you new from the inside out. You have the same physical attributes and abilities, but there's a new you. Paul said in the Ephesians chapter 4, he said it like this. We have a new self, a new self which 
in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. The truth of God is that He is, that He has created this earth. He has created you. He has made you to be a person, and He wants to redeem that person from the sin that is a natural part of your life. He didn't create you to be a sinner, but you are. But you are because of who we are. We're sinners. We're separated from God. And he said, because of that, I want to create something brand new inside of you. And so I came, gave my life to be a part of you, died on the cross for you, rose again to give you eternal life. And when you trust me, then I come inside and make you a brand new person. You are now a new self that is freed from sin because of sin in your life. We all have a problem that I like to call, Brother Larry, the Superman syndrome. The Superman syndrome. It goes back to the Garden of Eden, Brother Tommy, when God said, you can have everything here. But in the middle of the garden, there's two trees. One is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat that. When you do, you're going to die. We know the Satan, the serpent came along, and Revelation tells us who the serpent was, Satan. He came along and said, look, did God really say that? He loves to call into question the word of God. Oh, he didn't mean that. He knew when you partook of this, then you'd be like God's. You'd be in charge. You'd be in control of your own life. You do what you want to do. Go where you want to go. You're in charge. You are, you are like God's. And everybody knows what a God is. He's in control. And we all want to be in control of ourselves and our lives. And so every human being has a degree of that in their life. And that is, that is anti-God because there is only one God and that is the God. And when we try to take his place, it's called sin. And every one of us have it. Every one of us have it. But he said, when I came, died on the cross for your sin so that you could be reconnected to me. And he said, when you trust me, I'll give you a new self, a brand new person created in righteousness and holiness of the truth of God. Yeah, we're forgiven. And we are a new creation. Dr. Halford, one of my former pastors, used to love to tell this story about St. Augustine. And uh, when Augustine was a lost man and a man of the world and, and all the things that you can think of that was worldly, Augustine was into that. And he had made a move and he was in an area and he used to go and frequent the, the places where people ought not to go. And, and uh, after he got saved, gloriously saved, and his life was changed and he took a whole new direction in life. And, and one day he was going through town and he passed by an area where he used to frequent occasionally. And there were some ladies there that he used to frequent. And one of the ladies of the night uh, called out to him, Augustine, she saw him going by. He didn't answer. He just kept on walking. Kept on walking. Augustine kept on walking. Kept on walking. She thought I'll, a little louder. Augustine, it is I. And he turned around and said, yes, but it's not I. I'm not the guy I was. Why? Because he has a brand new self. in The righteousness and holiness of the truth of God. And that's soul-saving, life-changing presence of God when He comes into our life. That's good news. But then we're a child of God. Also, in John chapter 1, 
And uh, you know that, that passage, I'm sure you know it well, when he says he's talking about coming to his own and his own did not receive him. And, and John came to tell about Jesus. And then he gets to this passage. He says, but as many as received him, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We are born of God. Jesus says we're born again. The word for children there is technon, a son or a daughter, a child who has been born. They're children, gneo, they're, they're, brought, they're born, they're brought forth of God, if you will. We're brought forth from God. And that's the word here. He brought us forth to be a part of his family of faith. We are born again. No, we don't go back into our mother's womb. Nicodemus asked Jesus that question. How can a man be born once he's, once he's old? And Jesus said, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're born in the flesh. You're already here, but you need to be born of the Spirit of God. Born again, a brand new person, a new self that is given to you. Now you are a child of God. You're not born of the flesh. That's not what that is. You're not born of blood. You're not born of the will of the flesh. There's nothing that you can do to, to, to conjure it all up in your own mind. You're not born of the will of man. You don't just decide one day, hey, you know what? I'm going to do everything I want to do. And just before I check out of this earth, then I'm going to say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. No, it's not that way. Don't play that silly game. Don't play that silly game. That game will lead you in the wrong direction. When you know the truth of Christ and who he is and what he came for to die for and that you can be a child of God, you need to reach out to him right then and say, thank you, Lord. Will you come into my heart and be my savior? And he said, yes, because that's what he does. That's what he does. We're born of God. But not only that, we're given that spirit of adoption. In Romans chapter 8, great passage of Scripture, and he talks about the, the Spirit of God and being led by the Spirit of God and, and all that's there. And he says this. He says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear. You've not, you, you're not, you don't have to worry about things like that anymore. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba. That's, that, that's that, that personal relationship, close relationship with the Father that we have. My son called me Father, and I can promise you this, when he fell on those times when he would fall and, and, and I would try to get him up, you know, and, and I was his father, he could crawl up in my lap with a sore hand or something and, and, and I would hug him and hold him close. That's the relationship he's talking about here. And he said, whenever you're born again, you're brought forth of God, born a brand new self into him, I also give you a spirit of adoption where you can crawl up into my lap any day and say, oh, Father, I'm hurting, I need your help. And he's there to, hug you up and take care of you and, and bring you to his bosom and love you. That's who he is. Father, spirit of adoption. But let me tell you a little secret about the Roman law of adoption. I love this, Brother Tommy. When you were adopted into those families, that meant you could not be disinherited. Natural child, you might. But when you reach out and intentionally bring someone into that family, that meant you were there forever. You're part of God's forever family. You're a child of God. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're made a new creature. 
Now you're a child of God. But then your name also is written in the Lamb's book of life. I love this. In Revelation 21, 27, you probably know it well. He's talking about that great city, that, that new Jerusalem. He's talking about where, where things are and, 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 and how things are in this, in this new place, this place that we would call heaven and, and all, all that it means to be there and be a part of this and the joy that's there. And then he says this in the closing verse of chapter 21, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Revelator's talking about this city of God where the saved dwell for eternity. And someone as well said that, that the Lamb's book of life is the roster of the righteous whose names will never be blotted out. How true that is. Thank you, Lord, for that. Your name is written down, and when God writes your name down, nobody can take it out to the Lamb's book of life. When you trust Christ for salvation from sin, it is yours. You are made righteous in Christ. He talked about that righteousness and holiness of the truth. We're made righteous in Christ. Oh, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read a few minutes ago, uh, from that passage about being a new creature. And then he says this. He said, he made us. He made us. Or he made him, rather. He made him who knew no sin. Jesus, sinless son of God. He made him to be sin. He was sin in all of its ugliness. Jesus became that. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When we trust in Him, then He gives to us, He imputes to us the righteousness of God. The roll call of the righteous, whose names are not to be blotted out because we've been made righteous in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for writing us in the Lamb's book of life. And then a fifth thing here. We are given the Holy Spirit for our companion. In John chapter 14, I love this and. And you do too. In John chapter 14 and verse 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Helper. King James says comforter. The Greek word is paraclete. Someone who walks alongside you. Someone who is with you in all your trials and tribulations. Someone who's there. It's courtroom terminology. You come to the judge and you are there to be adjudicated guilty. But your paraclete comes along and says, yes, that person is guilty. But I have taken the punishment for that person's crime. And as a consequence, the judge looks and says, because he is with you, you can go free. And when we become a child of God, we're forgiven of sin. We become that new person. We're a born again child of God. Our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. The Holy Spirit comes in and, and, and we're partakers of his spirit. And he then becomes a part of our life to be with us, to guide us, to strengthen us, to carry us along through life. Thank you, Lord, for the sweet Holy Spirit that comes to be a part of our lives. I will another helper that he may be with you forever. And in verse 17, he says, that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Thank you, Lord, for that sweet Holy Spirit. I had a seminary professor, uh, Dr. Glaze. Our seminary professors are, uh, they always go and, and do interim work, 
something like here now, while churches are looking for new pastors. And uh, Dr. Glaze had been an interim in South Mississippi some years ago. This was a long time ago. And he was an interim pastor there. And uh, while he was doing that interim work, a young man in that community that had been outside of Christ all of his life and uh, gotten married, his wife was very active in the church and, and people were praying for this young man. Well, during this time when Dr. Glaze was there, this young man was gloriously saved. He gave his life to Christ, got active in the church. Uh, the church called a pastor during that course of time and, and uh, Dr. Glaze went on back to the seminary and was doing other work. And, and over the course of years, uh, this pastor left and the church called Dr. Glaze and asked if he would come back and be their interim again. And he gladly accepted. He went back to that church, was preaching there, looked around, didn't see this young man. Concerned him, he said, what happened? And he asked about this young man. And they said, well, it's really a sad story. He was active in the church. He and his family, they were doing well. And uh, then he just kind of started slipping off. And, and now he's back out in the bar with his friends and stopping by there. And he's just not here anymore. So Dr. Glaze made an appointment to go and see the young man. He went and saw him. And he sat down to talk with him. And he said, he said what happened? And the guy said, well, you know, I, I, I was doing good and the church was, it was good. And it was, you know, things were good in those days. But he said, some of my friends just kept on talking and kept on talking. And they said, man, why don't you just stop by sometime for old time's sake? And, you know, let's just talk, you know, and let's just say hello again. You're our friend. And he said, yeah, well, yeah, but I don't do that. Well, come on. He said, it just kept on to finally one day I just turned in. I went in, sat down. He said, I felt bad about that. And, but he said, you know, kind of tried to straddle that fence for a little bit. But then he said, he said, you know, I just kind of turned in again. And the next thing you know, I was back in there. And he said, I felt so bad about that. He said, I couldn't go back to church and, and be like that. And Dr. Glaze said, well, are you glad you did that? No, no, I'm not glad I did that. Are you happy out there? Do you, are you glad you went back into the... No, 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 I'm not... You know, that, that, I just can't do this, you know. And, and he was upset and he said, so, so it upsets you, disturbs you that that happened in your life. Yeah, and he, Dr. Glaze said, son, I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the best indications that you'll ever have that you genuinely are a born-again child of God. Because if the Holy Spirit wasn't there to convict your life over that, you wouldn't care and it wouldn't bother you at all. But because he is there and he bothers you about that, why don't you surrender to him and go back where you need to be and where you know? And the guy said, that makes sense to him. He came back to church and the last I heard things were doing well. That's been years ago. I tell you, when the Holy Spirit of God is there, you can't be happy outside of the will of God. The Holy Spirit is here. God's not happy when you're not where he wants you to be. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. That's good news. That's good news. And we praise God for that. But then there is another. When you die, you go to be with Jesus. <laughs> uh, can't beat that. The Apostle Paul said it well. And I'm sure you, you know it well and could quote it. Probably most of us could. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. First Philippians chapter 1. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to live here, I'm going to live in Christ. And when I die, man, it's good. My victory's complete. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. 
Saw my mother laying there in the intensive care, seven years struggling with a stroke, never called our name again. Walked in flat line. I'm a pastor. I've seen a lot of those through the years. My first thought was her victory's complete. It's all right now, Mom. Everything's good. When the nurse told us at 4.12 a.m., June 2nd, 2013, about our son, Nate, he's gone. Went over, straightened his head out, kissed him on the forehead. I said, son, your victory's complete. Everything's okay. Because to die is gain. To die is gain. But then Paul goes on, he said, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I don't know which to choose. But I'm hard-pressed having, from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. What he's saying is, God's got something for me to do, and as long as he has something for me to do, I want to do it and do it as well as I can for the benefit of folks around. Folks, that ought to be the heart of every one of us. Lord, you left me here for a purpose. Let me do something that I can do for your glory. And help me to do it well and be a blessing to those around. Dr. Cleve Horn was our education minister when I first came to fellowship uh, almost 25 years ago now. Older gentleman, great guy, one of God's good men. He was a captain in the army, an engineer, tremendous guy, struggling with a call about staying on in the, in the military or going into to be a minister that he felt God was calling him to. Was called into the commandant's office and uh, they said, we are considering uh, asking you to go to the Pentagon in Washington, brilliant mind, engineer. And he looked at the man and he said, I was afraid you were going to offer that. But he said, I have to tell you, that God has called me into the ministry and I'm going to have to resign my commission and go into the ministry. That's a, that's a man of God right there. Dr. Horn was on staff there. He'd retired some years earlier, came back to help out during their interim time before I came there. And uh, he used to say this. He's gone to be with the Lord now. But he used to say this. He said, Brother Bell, If for no other reason, I'd want to be a Christian just because of the way they die. So what are you talking about? He said, as children of God, when we know that we know that we know that we know that Jesus is our Savior, we have trusted Him, His presence has come into our life, then we know that whatever the suffering or the struggle we may go through in this life, when it comes down to the end of it, we're going home to be with Him. When we die, we go to be with Jesus forever and forever. But then lastly, not only are we forgiven, become a new creation, a child of God, with our name written down in the Lamb's book of life, given the Holy Spirit of our, as our companion through this life, and then when we go, we go to be with the Lord. One more point of good news is this. You, and you, and you, each one of us, individually, and me, all of us, 
each of us can share the good news with others so that they can be in heaven too. That's good news. What's the most important thing you can do in this world for anyone else? You can give them the gospel. You might give them money. You might do things for them. We're doing stuff for those folks down in the Keys now, and it needs to be done. Those are wonderful things to do. All kind of good work going on. I have men in my church who are so active in our fellowship church. It's Dr. Ellis' church now. It's God's church, not any of ours. But anyway, those men in that church uh, who go and do disaster relief work, you can do a lot of things for people that are a blessing for them. But the best thing you'll ever do to anybody is introduce them to Jesus as Savior and Lord. That is the best thing you will do. You can be sure of this passage of Scripture. Whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can change this world one person at a time. Brother Roger, I love the the, uh, motto of the Baptist College of Florida. Changing the world through the unchanging word. Changing the world through the unchanging word. And you and I can do that. We can make a change in somebody's life by simply sharing with them the truth of God. And the scripture says in Romans 10, 13, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, not might be, will be saved. When you say, Lord, I believe in you. You are who you say you are. You came into this world to live a sinless life among us. To give us eternal life if we trust in you. Forgive us of our sin. Make us part of your family. Write our name down in the Lamb's book of life. I believe you. I trust you to be my Savior today. I give my life to you. I put my life in your hands. That's what it means to trust you. Now you take my life and make it what you want it to be. You call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. That's good news. Sumner Wimp was vice president for spiritual development at Liberty University back in the 80s. He was a Southern Baptist, strong soul winner. Listen to what he had to say on this, and I, I, I read his note, so I'll just read it for you. Someone, a person, led you to Christ. Now you do the same for someone else. Someone, a person, got you to the gospel and brought you to church or a meeting and you got saved. Gene Gaskins just invited me, talking about himself, just invited me to church. God the Holy Spirit, in response to his obedience to God, urged me, a 17-year-old godless kid, to go to church where I heard for the first time in my life that God loved me and Jesus died for my sins, paid my debt in full and rose again so I could be forgiven and go to heaven. Now, you do the same for others. Make sense? You and I could still be on our way to hell. I'm grateful I got saved. In response to that, I witness to others. End quote. Sumner Wimp, soul winner. You can be a soul winner. I can be a soul winner. Well, God hadn't called me to be. Yes, he has. When he said, go into all the world and make disciples of every creature, teaching them to observe all that, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And guess what? I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. To the end of the world, I'm here and I'm with you all the way through. But what I've told you to do in sharing with them, you go share that with someone else so that they can share it with someone else, so that they can share it with someone else. And aren't we glad they did? Because if they hadn't, you and I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. But now the baton has been passed to us. What do we do with that? We have bad news and we have good news. The bad news is those who do not obey the gospel will not see life. And the wrath of God abides on them forever and forever. But there's good news. The good news is that God loves you and he came and he lived among us and died for us and rose again in the person of Jesus Christ so that we might have our sins forgiven. Forgiven. We can be made new creatures, become children of God. Our names written down in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, we're given the Holy Spirit of God to direct us and guide us through this life. And when we die, we get to go to be with Him. Can we share that with someone else? Sure we can. Sure we can. Let's just say, Lord, I want today. Today. I want to renew my commitment to you. I want to, if not before, I I want to make a new commitment to you, Lord. That today, I want to start being aware. I want to ask you, Lord, to make me aware of my surroundings and the people who are in it. And give me opportunity, Lord. Let me look for open doors. And as the openness presents itself, let me step through and share the good news of Christ with people around me. You can do it at work. You can do it at home. You can do it at the restaurant. You can do it in your neighbor, wherever you are. Lord, make me usable today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Part of my daily prayer is thanking God for all the churches he's allowed me to be part of through the years. And I pray for all of us and our brothers and sisters in Christ that today God would anoint us with his spirit and power that we can join with him in soul-saving, life-changing ministry. Every day. Not just Sunday. Every day, Brother Larry. That's who we are. That's good news. That's good news. I hope you're living in the good news today. If not, why not now? Why not just trust him? Say, Lord, I've heard about you. I've heard about you. But I've never trusted you as my Savior. Would you come into my heart today? Forgive me of sin. My sin put you on the cross. I'm sorry for that. Will you come in and cleanse that sin out of my life? Take up residence in me and lead me through this life. And he says, yep, that's where I came. I'll do that. I'll do that. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Enough to come in the person of Jesus Christ as Son of God, the God-man, fully man, yet fully God. Live a sinless life. Die for us. Take your life back in resurrection power. 
Give your Holy Spirit to all of us who will trust you as Savior from sin. Be glorified in us in this place today, in each heart and life. That's my prayer. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.